Y'all give him praise today. Come on now. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for being here today. We do serve a good, good father. Aren't you glad of that this morning? That nothing in the world has come into your life that God hasn't known about. And if we believe in the sovereignty of God and allowed to be in your life for some greater purpose. If you have your Bibles today, why don't you turn with me to Genesis chapter 37. We're going to cover a few different chapters over the next few weeks. And uh, continuing in our sermon series, Against All Odds. Last week we talked about Gideon and the person of Gideon. Keith, if y'all would bring my Bible and stuff out here, brother. I'm going to need that. And uh, the, the, the purpose in Gideon's story is to realize that sometimes we look at our life and our, the odds that are stacked against us. Remember we talked out of, out of Judges that the person of Gideon was called to fight a war against the Midianites. The Midianites had 135,000 soldiers that were ready to do battle, ready to rage war against the children of Israel. The children of Israel, through Gideon's leadership, only had 32,000. And interestingly, God told him, he said, you know, with these 32,000, you, you are going to win this battle and you're going to give credit to yourself. And what he was saying was, even though the odds are stacked against you with 32 to 135,000, you're going to win this war. But when you do, you're going to look at yourselves and you're going to think you accomplished something. So here's what I want you to do, Gideon. I want you to tell all the ones who are afraid, all the ones who are scared to go home. At that moment in time, listen, 22,000 of them walked away. Left 10,000 standing there. What Gideon must have felt like truly to be against all odds. And then as the story progressed, he says, you know, you still have too many, Gideon. Here's what I want you to do. Now I want you to go down by the riverside, and I want you to allow them to get a drink of water. And the ones who put their faces to the water and lap up with their tongue to the water, guess what? They're not vigilant enough. They're not really paying attention. They're not really ready to go to battle with you. And so I want you to send them home. I only want you to keep the ones who take the time to watch this. Take the water from their hand and put it to their mouth as they're watching. Because here's what he's saying to them and here's what he's saying to us. We have to stay alert. We have to stay cautious. We have to remain vigilant through the difficulties of this life we call Christianity. And then if you go one step further, what maybe he was telling them is I don't want people that are looking for a quick fix, Gideon, that are going to just put their mouth down and not really care where it's coming from. I want you to get people around you who are willing to take their hand and bring it to themselves. Can I tell you this? You will never know the fullness of God until you yourself take your hand and reach out and grab it and bring it to yourself. You can't live off of someone else's faith. You've got to own it yourself. Bring it to yourself. Listen, I believe with all my heart, healing is yours for the getting. If you would believe in faith, and if it's God's will, you can grab onto it. But it doesn't matter how much faith I have in your healing. It's not going to change your life. If you want your marriage to be healed, guess what? You've got to do something. You're a free moral agent. You've got to step into faith. You've got to walk according to the precepts of the Bible. If you want your children to be rock-solid, popular kids in school, invest in that effort. Effort, But if you want them to be mighty warriors, men and women of God, invest in that effort. Pour the word of God into them. Raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Pray with them. Speak life over them. And that's the result that you'll see in their life. But you've got to grab it yourself. When the story was over, 300 went with Gideon. 300 against 135,000. Why? Because what God was saying was, yeah, I want you to enter into battle. Hear me, church member. Hear me, child of God. He says, I want you to enter into the battle feeling as though the odds are stacked against you. Because then and only then will you realize that I'm the one that gave you the victory. 
See, God is not impressed by people acting upon their own confidence, their own volition. He wants them to go, listen, it's okay if you're afraid. Well, Mark, the Bible says you've been, not been given the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. It's okay if you're afraid in the context of being cautious, the reverence to know that if, watch this, that he wants you to step so far out on the unknown, out on the water, that if God doesn't show up, you will surely fail. But if he shows up, not only are you going to be victors, he said, you're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who gives you strength. He wants you to be beyond that. He doesn't want you to just kind of just make it through life. I think we have adopted this theology of it's okay to be mediocre. It's okay to be all right. No, no, no. God wants you to be effective. He wants you to be great. He wants you to make a change. He wants you to be the reflective light of his great light source to a lost and dark and dying world. We're kind of switching gears today. Not only when someone's coming to attack you, not only when the armies are waging war against you, do the odds become stacked against you. But what about this? What about if you pray for favor? What about if you pray for purpose as a child of God? What if you're praying for God to use you in in, in an incredible way to be a teacher, to be a mentor, to be a witness for Christ? What if you're praying for all of these things and God begins to give you the desires of your heart? The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll do what? He'll give you the desires of your heart. If you want to be great for the cause of Christ, I believe it's there today. You got to reach out and grab it. But here's what I want you to hear today. And I don't want you to miss this. When you come into your purpose, everybody's not going to embrace it. In fact, if I could be so bold today, and I think I can because I'm I'm up here on the stage with a mic. If you want to be really bold today, let me say it this way. When you come into your purpose and God's favor is placed on your life, you may see some antagonism. You may see some uh, uh, obstruction, if you will. You may see some pushback. You may lose some friends for it. Wait a minute, Mark. If God's grace and God's favor and God's purpose is becoming to, into my life and beginning to be an outflow, you mean people are not going to embrace that? Let's read today, if we will, and let's kind of dig into this storyline. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to Genesis 37. I'm just going to read a couple of verses, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what was going on during this time. Genesis 37, 2 through 4 said, this is the account of Jacob. His his name for uh, Israel, of course. He was chained to Israel. He's the father of the nation of Israel. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, underscore that now in your mind as we move forward. He often tended his father's flocks. He worked for half his brothers, the sons of of the father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some bad things that his brothers were doing. He was a tattletale, nanny, nanny, boo boo. I'm just saying. Verse 3, well, listen, underline this. If you don't have your Bible, I want you to really put this in your mental Rolodex because this is the premise for all things crazy about to go on in, in Joseph's life. Jacob or Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other children because, here's why, here's the reason that he loved him more. Because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph. A beautiful robe. Some say tunic. Others say yet a coat of what? Many colors. This beautiful outward expression. This robe that would be placed on him. That watch this. Would literally become the downfall between him and his brothers. Really crazy if you think about what's going on here and how, from a biblical standpoint, that the, the, the things that are outflowing through Joseph's life and all the destruction of 13 years through all that he went through was predicated on this one issue. Watch this. He gave him a beautiful robe, a coat of many colors, but his brothers, look at this now, hated Joseph the more because their father loved him more than the rest of them. 
and they couldn't say a kind word to him. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. We pray that you'd help us to rightly divide your word in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Think about this for a moment. According to the word of God in the King James Bible says that they, they hated him the more. Meaning that there were degrees of hatred these brothers had. They already hated him. Why? Because the father loved him more. How, does, how did that look? There was a favor that the father was placing on Joseph's life. It really came into full fruition when he went and got an outward token, an outward expression in the form of a beautiful robe, put it on him. Let me say this. This is unorthodox in itself. Because a father like Jacob, who had 12 sons and was a keeper of animals and had wives and all these things going on, he had time. Hear me. He had time that he took to literally stitch a coat of many colors. The Bible doesn't give any indication that one of his handmaids did this. He took the time to do it, indicating, if you will, a parallel that God's favor on us is something that he gives us. How does he do it? By sending his son, Jesus Christ, that we may be clothed in the robe of righteousness, made righteous in him. He who knew no sin, Jesus became our sin, that you and I would be made the righteousness of God through him. It's something he took part in. Unorthodox. But it was so important that, that the father gave him this robe, this outward covering. It's as if I wear in with this jacket and I walk in. And every one of you know that this jacket represents a love from the father. So everyone that sees it, they don't look at it and they go, man, what a cool tunic that is. Man, what a cool robe. Man, how many colors is that? It speaks of the vastness of the father's love for Joseph. But let me say this to you and say it very loud. Not everyone will embrace you when you come into your purpose. The Bible says they hated him the more. Other translations say they began to plot against him. Why? It tells us why. Because the father loved him. And everything in Scripture from an Old Testament uh, foreshadowing draws a parallel for where you and I are to go today. Listen, Jesus himself was the son of the Father who came to fulfill the will of the Father. And watch what he did. He came having the favor of the Father. He came to this world. And guess what? His own received him not. They sent him to a cross. They killed him. They persecuted him. They beat him. They put him on a cross. Why? Because when the favor is on your life, the world turns away from that. The same is true for you and I. I don't have to ask you to raise your hand today. How many of you want God's favor in your life? Every hand would go up. How many of you want to be changed for the glory of God? Every hand would go up. How many of you want to walk in your purpose? How many of you want to do something great for the glory of God? Every hand would go up. But do you truly understand that when I walk in my purpose, the world doesn't come up and say, man, I can just say God is doing something profound in your life. I can see it on your Have you ever seen somebody with God's favor on their life? Anybody ever noticed that? There's a glow about them. There's a peace about them. In the middle of total chaos, the favor of God allows a person to walk in a peace. The Bible says it Passes all understanding. But the world doesn't embrace that. Mark, why is that? I think there's many reasons. I think jealousy is probably the precursor to 99% of it. These brothers, these other 11, 10 brothers, Benjamin wasn't one of them. These other brothers hated him because the father loved him. Today, as you're walking into God's purpose for your life, you need to understand and you need to hear this loud and clear that the world may make a mass exodus on your life the closer you get to Christ's purpose for you. You need to realize that the favor of God, however, will also let you walk above the situations of this life. 
But not only will not everyone come into your purpose with you, here's what I also believe to be true. And I think this is a hard truth for me to swallow. This is something that I've only learned in the last few years. Luke's gospel, don't turn there, 12, 51 through 53, says this. Jesus speaking. Listen to these words. The Prince of Peace. He says, do you think I've come to bring peace on the earth? No, I've come to divide people against one another. Well, wait a minute, Mark. What translation is that? What Bible are you reading from? Jesus is the Prince of Peace, for goodness sakes. And he's saying here, I've come to divide. I've come to separate. Let's read on. It gets even more interesting. From now on, as I come, families will be split apart. Three in favor of me and two against. Two in favor and three against. Father will divide against son and son against father. Mother against daughter. Daughter against mother. mother Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. And daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Because of the love of Jesus Christ in their life, that's exactly what he's saying. But to rightly divide the word, he's not saying that Jesus brings that division. He's kind of speaking under the prophetic tradition of what would have happened when, say, the prophet Isaiah came or the prophet Jeremiah came. When Jeremiah came and to speak against Judah with everything that was going on, watch what happened. Those who would not receive the redemption and turn and repent and turn from injustice and turn back to a holy God, watch what happened. They situated their feet so firmly in a life of ungodliness that watch what it did. For the ones who did repent, just a small handful, it divided them. And the same is true for you and I today. The gospel is still dividing families, still dividing in-laws, still dividing churches. Listen, the heartbeat of the gospel is that for God so loved the world that he gave. And when I embraced that and I realized how disenfranchised I was, how undone I was, how lost I was, and when he came pursued me, listen, here's what I do. I'm all in, man. I get it. I want everything that he's got for me. How did he grow up in the third grade and write down, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a preacher. Not something that I aspire to be. But here's what I know to be true. When God met me in my darkest hour, in my greatest level of need, when he was there, and it was just me and him, and I'm about to go somewhere, when it was just God and me, and I said, God, if you're real, I said this out loud, if you're real, I'm going to read this book that quite frankly confuses me. Every time I get in it, it makes me more confused than when I started. Does anybody else, can they testify to that? But when I get in, I say, God, if you're real, here's what I want to do. I want this book to come alive in me. I want to understand it. I want to make application for it. And it came alive. And it came alive in me in such a manner that I said this to God. Anytime, anywhere, any cost. God, I'm yours. Here I am. I've tried the world. It didn't work. I've tried this. It didn't work. I've tried that. Listen, no accolade, no trophy, no amount of money, nothing in the world will do. I just want you. And when I got him... I lost some things. But can I tell you something? It's okay. Because the things that I lost, some of them have come full circle and come back. The other things that I lost probably were never mine to begin with. Remember I told you last week, everybody you start with, you're not going to finish with. That's okay. Just compartmentalize that in your mind and realize that God may be, watch this, God may be getting you alone to speak truth into your life. Maybe he wants to block out all the peripheral conversation. You know what? Everybody's got an opinion. That's new to some of you. I get that. 
Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody can tell you how to do this. Everybody can tell you how to do that. Here's the kind of music you need to sing. Here's what you need to do to make God work in your life. Here's what you need to do as a husband. Can I tell you something? Here's what I know. I know that this book is the answer to every question that I've ever had. It's in here from fullness of all things. It's right here. All I got to do is I got to look to this. I got to turn my affection to him. And he guides my steps all the way through. But check it out. Not only will everybody not embrace my purpose, but sometimes when I step into my purpose, It'll situate me into a pit. The Bible says that Joseph went out to check on his brothers in the valley of Dothan. The Bible says they saw him coming from afar off, and they plotted against him. I want you to listen to this plot, though. I want you to see the interesting point of this reference. The result of the attack from oftentimes in other people's lives against you, it results in you ended up in a pit. doesn't seem fair. If the God of the universe has placed favor on my life, purpose in my life, then why am I the one that ends up in a pit? I'm so glad you asked. Let me show you. Genesis 37, 18. And when they saw him coming afar off, even before he came near unto them, watch this, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to the other, Behold, the dreamer cometh. They're mocking him. Come now, therefore, and let's slay him. And let's cast him. Listen to the words here. He said, let's cast him into some pit. They're just arbitrary in their actions. We want to just throw him over into some hole. We want to be done with him. Let's just do what we got to do. Let's do it quick. Let's be done with it. Some evil beast will come and devour him. And we shall say, what will become of his dreams then? And Reuben, in verse 21, heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. Watch this. Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit. How many of you know that some pit is a little different than this pit? See, we start to see God's provision. God is saying, hey, I'm going to use Reuben, who doesn't even know he's being used, and we're just, they just want to throw him over into some little casual hole. Doesn't have a plan, doesn't have a purpose at all. We just want to kill him. We want to rid myself of him, rid ourselves of him. Watch this. Reuben steps up and said, no, no, no. I want to throw him in this particular pit. But I love this. Watch what he says. He said, I want to cast him in this pit, which is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to the Father again. And it came to pass, when Joseph came to his brother, they stripped him. Here's the cool thing. Here's what happened. They stripped him of his coat of many colors that was on him. The favor's gone. See, see, what man thought was that if I can rid him of the thing that is just really, really aggravating me, the appearance of the favor of God, if I can just take that off, the favor is gone. But can I tell you something? God's favor is not based on something that the world can see. The favor is based on something that you have inside of you. The favor of God is something that you feel in your own private closet. It's something, listen, it's this. The favor of God is so powerful and so strong. Watch this. That even when I'm in a pit, and what does a pit represent? It's absolute total frustration. It's despair. It's hopelessness. It's loss. Can I tell you, in a pit like Joseph was in, there is nobody else there to bounce ideas off of. When, when I'm in a pit, I'm surrounded by every corner of my life. Almost fail. Every corner of my life is covered. I can't look over here and say, what, what, what do you think I ought to do? <clears throat> hey, will you pray for me? Hey, hey, what about this? Turn it on J93. Let me hear some Christian music and kind of soothe the ache. Hey, what do you think? You know, pastor, what? <clears throat> oh, no, no, no. When I'm in the pit, I'm by myself. The guys that are videoing supposed to get mad at me, but I got to come down here because hear me. It's kind of like a choice. Some of you are in a pit today. And some of you are wallowing in your own misery. 
Because you're so stinking tired of looking around and nothing's there. There's no hope. There's no possibility. And you got one of two options. This is going to be profound. You need to get a pen out. This is profound. You can either stay there or you can get out. Wow, that's huge, isn't it? So how do I get out of the pit, Mark? I love this. I love this. There's one way up. What if? What if the pit in your life is really God's provision? Don't miss this. I'm just going to show you something. God's provision is the band comes. We'll go ahead and get that out of the way. Hear me. Watch this. The provision was the pit. You and I think the pit is a punishment. Oh, no, no. The pit is a part of the promise. Let me tell you why. Two reasons. One, if you read on in the next verses, and I'm not going to go there right now, but read it on in your own time. Listen. The Bible says that they threw him in this pit. They took him, they stripped him of his coat of many colors, taking what they thought the favor of God was off of his life. They threw him in a hole, and they're done with him. And they're just going to say, hey, you know what, Dad? That, you know, some animal came and attacked him, and here's the blood uh, on his coat. And, and I'm sorry, we, we couldn't do anything about it. But they're just going to let him die in this pit. Get, get a mental image of what the world is really saying about the favor on the life that you're living. They'd rather just rid themselves. They don't get it. They don't get it that you walk in peace. They don't get it that you walk in promise. They don't get it that you're walking in purpose. They don't get it. Watch this. That they can't rob from you what God has given you. They don't get it. But see, while he was in the pit, the Bible says something profound. The Bible just has this little parenthetical statement. It says they threw him in a pit, comma, and there was no water in it. Have you ever read that? Oh my gosh, when God showed me this, it lit a fire in me. The Bible says that they threw him in a pit. Guess what there is not a lot of in a desert where the sand's blowing constantly? There's not just a bunch of holes. Do you know what this pit was? This was an old well. And if I go back earlier in Genesis, I realized that the grandfather of Joseph named Abraham, who was the father of all the nations, watch what happened. They dug some pits and in, 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 uh, some wells in Dothan. Wells were a source of life. And they dug a bunch of wells, and the wells were the ones, watch this, the same spring of life that, that Abraham, his grandfather, drank water from to sustain their existence had now dried up and become a source of provision when the world thought it was a source of prison. See, if the grandfather had never dug the holes to give life to the right now, listen, can I tell you this way? Oh, man, this is good. The things you're doing now may only affect you right now, but they're really making preparation for somebody tomorrow. There are things you're doing today that you think only affect you, but watch this. You're really digging some wells for somebody down the way. You're investing in people. You're praying for people. The life that you're living is making preparation for down the road. Can I say this? A true legacy is one where you invest today and it long outlives you. The legacy of the well was this. I love this. He dug a well. They drank from it. They moved on. They died. They're gone. Nobody cares. Oh, but hear me. If that particular pit, which is really a whale, had not been there, guess what they would have done to Joseph? Say it with me. They would have killed him. Do you see where it's going? The pit was the way out. The Bible says, for there was no water in it. Oh, let's talk for a minute about that. What if there had been water in it? Oh, man, he could have got in there and got a drink of water. Oh, no, no, no. He would have drowned. See, somebody dug a whale. Can I, can I just throw this in here? Some of you need to dig some whales. 
Some of you need to be a life-sustaining force in the right now because it produces a provision down the way. They drank from the water. And over the course of time, the well dried up. Guess what you do with a, a, a dry well? You just move on. You go dig another one. Oh, but thank God it dried up because the fact that there was no water in it gave a place of rest for a young boy named Joseph who his brothers hated. Oh, and it gets better. Then the Bible says they were sitting over there eating and they're just chilling. He's over here dying in a well. Can I tell you something? The world really don't care what you're going through in your spiritual world. They just keep going on. That, that guy that hurts you back there, the person that hurts you back when, they've gotten over it. And you're still waddling in your self-pity. They've gotten over it a long time ago. But they're over there eating. And the Bible says they looked up. The brothers looked up and saw a band of Ishmaelites coming. And they said, hey, hey, i got a plan. Let's take him out of the pit. The pit which had been his solace. Had been his escape from death. Which was really a well that didn't have any water in it. And let's do this. Let's take him out and let's sell it to these, these Midianites. Who are Ishmaelites. Let's, let's sell him to them. Let him rid, let them rid him of, him, of him once and for all. They'll take him into Egypt. He'll be, a, he'll be a, a, a prisoner. He'll be a slave forever. We're done. And that way we don't have to kill him. Our conscience will be clean. I love this. Do you know who the Midianites were? They were descendants of a man named Ishmael. Ishmael was a son that should have never been born. He was illegitimate. Abraham was given a promise from God, and he said, hey, you're going to have a son, and that son is going to be the father of a nation, and he's your promise, and he's going to come from your seed. And he was nearly 100 years old, and his wife's 90, and they're like going, God, you can't give us a son through us, so here's what we'll do. We'll help you be God. So we're going to get Hagar, the handmaiden. We're going to bring her in. She's going to lie with, she's going to have a relationship with Abraham, and we'll help you be God to fulfill your promise. Can I tell you something? God doesn't need you to help him be God. And out of that illicit relationship that never should have happened, two things came of that, church. Two. One, that is the very issue that we see today that is all things anti-God by way of the Muslim community. It came from the person of Ishmael. Do you know why? When you and I help God be God, we only make a mess. Everything you're seeing from ISIS to, to uh, all of the Hezbollah all the way across the board, guess where they came from? Ishmael. But I want you to know today I serve a big God that can do bigger things exceedingly abundantly above that which I can ask, think, or imagine. How does that play into the story of Joseph, Mark? Here's how. If those band of Ishmaelites hadn't come walking by that day, that moment, when they were in that valley, when they were in that place, so close to the street, as they saw him coming by, they never could have said, hey, y'all come over here, we got a slave for you. They sold him to the Ishmaelites, and they took him into Potiphar's house in Egypt, and we'll get there next time. But don't miss this. Had Abraham and Sarah not made a bad choice, this is good, and tried to help God be God, which made a mess of everything through the person of Ishmael, and the Ishmaelites never would have been born. 
never would have birthed the Midianites and never would have walked by that trail that day and been the salvation to a boy named Joseph who just so happened had to live, as we'll see at the end of the story, because Genesis 50, 20 says, what you meant evil against me, brothers, God turned for good. God was saying, everything that the world can throw your way that's evil against you, watch this, I got provision, I got a pit, I got a prison, I got a promise, and yes, guess what? You're going to walk in your purpose. It might have started over here as purpose, and everybody in the world was against you. But can I say something? God is saying, I have a plan along the way. You just keep your eyes on me. I got this. I've already had forethought. For provision is the fact that God is taking forethought for the errors of our life. Where are you today? What do you have in front of you? Maybe some of you are in a pit today. Maybe some of you have fallen into the pit of despair and frustration and hopelessness. And you're like going, really, God, where are you? I've just been going to church. I've been praying. for. Where are you, God? Can I tell you today, the pit is the precursor to your promise. The pit that you're in is really your salvation. It was a means of getting you away from all the hustle and bustle and all the other voices that may very well have brought you down. The pit is a place... Where the only place you can look is up. I want to close today with this. There's a story of an old farmer who had a prize horse. And the horse one day was out walking along the pasture and he fell in a, an old abandoned well. Farmer didn't even know it was there. It had been dug many, many years before. So it was really wide and the horse fell down in the hole. And the horse lay there. The farmer concocted a way to get him out, and he got his tractor, and he, he tried to lower something down, and the horse just lay there and wouldn't move. He tried other ways. Man, man, climb in there and get it around him. The horse just laid there. He was in a pit. He was all but dead. Maybe he broke his legs. Who knows? Farmer talked to his wife, and he said, I hate to lose that old horse, but I don't really know what else to do. I'm just going to bury him. I'm just going to bury him because, you know, he's, maybe he's already dead. I don't know. He's not moving. So that poor old farmer took a shovel of dirt and he threw it on the horse's back. The horse did something profound. The horse stood up and he shook the dirt off and he stepped up. Every little shovel of dirt for hours, the, the farmer never noticed. He was throwing the dirt in there. It would hit the dirt, the, the back of the horse, and the, board, the back, the, the horse would shake it off. The dirt would fall, eventually just creating a higher, higher level of dirt. Before you know it, he just stepped out of the hole. See, sometimes in life, when you're in the pit, and the world's just clumping dirt on top of you, and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse, you know what you got to do? You need to stand up. You need to get off your face, stand up, pull yourself up, shake it off, and step up. Before you know it, you're going to be out of the pit. Where are you today? This storyline gets only better. Joseph had the favor of the father on his life. If we just stop right there, that's all that matters. All I want is the favor of God. Hey, I'll go in the pit. We'll see next week. I'll go in the prison. Because all those are preparations for me to serve in the palace. Every head bowed and every eye closed. How many of you could say without any shadow of a doubt that if you died today that you have heaven for a home? You're a child of the Most High God. Lift your hand up today if you're 100% sure about that. Lift your hand up. Come on, lift your hand up if you know it. If you know it, lift your hand up. 
God bless you. Some hands have not gone up today. I want you to know that God desires to see you come to know him. He desires to see you saved. He desires to see you redeemed. So if you'd like to pray with me right now from your heart to God, pray with me right now this simple prayer of faith. And by his grace, you can be a child of the king today. Father in heaven, I'm a sinner. I believe in Jesus. I want to ask Jesus to come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sin. Jesus, save me. Save me. Be the Lord of my life. Help me to live for you until the day you call me home. If you pray that prayer today, I'd like to just be able to pray for you. I'd like to know it. I'm not going to come to you. But if you prayed today and asked Jesus into your heart, I wonder would you be so bold and just lift your hand right now. Lift it up high and say, I prayed and I asked Jesus Christ into my heart. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you and you. God bless you. Anyone else? I maybe can say, Mark, I want to walk in my purpose. I'm already a child of God, but I want to walk in my purpose. I know God's got a plan for me. Maybe today I just need to learn how to shake it off and step up. If that's you today and you want to walk in your purpose, just lift your hand up and wave it at God. Say, I want to come into that purpose. Hands are going up all over the room. Then here's what I want to challenge you to do. If you ask Jesus in your heart, I'd love for you to come and pray with one of our folks down front. We just want to pray with you. You don't have to join anything. You don't have to say anything. We'd love to pray with you. If you raise your hand and say, Mark, I want to do what God's called me to do. I want to walk in purpose. I want to encourage you right now to come. Bring your family. Come and pray and seek that purpose. Take one step for him in here. And then you, then you will live for him out there. The doors of our church stand open today. If you need prayer today, we're here for you. So if you would, everyone stand to your feet. Whatever God's called you to today, whatever God's doing in your life, whatever God has spoken into you, this is your moment. This is your time. Commitments are made here. Commitments are structured, rooted today in the person of Jesus Christ. As they sing, if you're in this room today and God has spoken to you in any kind of way, you just want to come shake my hand, turn around and walk away. Whatever it may be today, I want you to come right now while they sing.